Hello and welcome to the Royal College of Psychiatrists podcast with me, Ella Marchant. We have a very special podcast as part of our True Psychiatry campaign on dual training. Dual training involves psychiatrists being fully experienced across two key disciplines. This could be general adult and old age psychiatry, but this could also be forensic psychiatry and medical psychotherapy or child and adolescent with intellectual disability. A challenging and rewarding path, dual training allows for a huge breadth of clinical experience and can provide more career opportunities for psychiatrists. Joining us on the podcast, we have three dual trainees, Dr. Ross Runciman, Dr. Arima Kamalu and Dr. Jennifer Parker, who are all involved in general adult and old age psychiatry. We will be discussing the highs and lows of learning two different specialties, career development and staying motivated. So... Obviously, there is quite a lot to take on with being dual trained. So what are the opportunities and pitfalls? I guess the really nice thing about dual training in old age and general adults is being able to kind of think about people and care for people across the age spectrum. So thinking about people um, right from the time when they become adults through their whole life without having a kind of a a, to take a kind of a pause um, at any stage, which is really nice. Arima, could we hear from you on an uh, honest opinion on what are the pitfalls, if there are any, of dual training? So with regards to pitfalls, I guess and some of the things that count as um, real benefits when you're doing dual training, so that ability to sort of work with um, across all the ages um, from um, early adulthood up into old age, um, probably also means that um, the the breadth of what you cover in training is um, is quite broad because the and I suppose the, the two specialties are quite um, they are dis- they are distinct from each other even though there's a lot of overlap um, and I think that just means that there's um, across through the training there is a lot more I think to take in than if you were training in one specialty and also it does mean that you're open to a lot more opportunities and so I think it's really important to think about how you're going to sort of balance out your time and what you're going to focus on over the course of the training as well just to be a bit more mindful about that but I genuinely think the benefits outweigh any of the negatives. And Ross what do you feel like have been the opportunities that you've been given through being dual trained that you wouldn't necessarily have had if you were in one discipline? Absolutely I think I think it's that vision of, of healthcare. So I think there's, there's two things I wanted to bring out. Firstly, thinking about integrated care systems, so thinking about the future of how healthcare is vertically and horizontally integrated. Now, I know this may sound a leap, but actually having that broader perspective enables you to look through someone's journey through healthcare services. Increasingly, you know, it's vital that we consider um, that patient-centred care, so that journey through, and having that oversight of what it's like through the ages enables you to think from a more patient perspective. That, 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 that's what I think, so that's the first thing. I think the second thing isn't so much as a direct advantage, but an enhancement. So, for example, I, I'm doing a liaison in Dawson at the moment, and, and doing it towards the end of my training, um, when I've had that dual training experience until now in general adult old age, means I can make more out of that liaison experience. So I think it's it's enhancing and it's as, as kind of mentioned by my colleagues, it's 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 that broad perspective and that reflects not just to the clinical, but when you think about the leadership uh, and indeed the future of healthcare. And Arima, to you as well. There is at the moment a nationwide shortage of psychiatrists, especially um, addiction psychiatry. So in terms of dual training, do you think this could help with workplace shortages? 
Oh, absolutely. And I think one of the benefits of dual training is that is definitely having that dual CCT. So the ability to work um, either as a general adult psychiatrist or in later life. Um, and what that can mean, I think, for a lot of um, trainees when they get to um, fully qualifying and working as a consultant is that you're potentially a lot more flexible when it comes to um, trying to work in roles that maybe open up in your sort of local services or wherever you want to work. Um, and it means that you're not quite as restricted when it comes to sort of opportunities and by the time of CCT. I think I think that was one of the sort of attractive um, aspects of dual training for myself is that it, it just really means that at the, at the time that I come to be a consultant, I've got a lot more sort of options and opportunities and ways of sort of helping services um, than if I was sort of single trained. Jennifer, similar question to you as well. There is a shortage of psychiatrists right now. Was that kind of on your mind when you decided to do dual training? Um, I suppose it's always something to think about, which is, you know, kind of thinking about, will there be a job for me at the end of this training? And I think adding really to what Arima said, there's a, a greater wealth of opportunity that is opened up by being a dual trainee, not least because you can sort of choose um, a job that focuses predominantly on later life or general adults, or indeed a job which kind of blends the two together. So there's kind of almost three channels that you can choose from there as opposed to just one. And in terms of workload, Ross, do you feel like you can occasionally get swamped because you're doing dual training? Do you feel like it's manageable? Is this something that you speak about with people who are in one discipline? I think this works in different ways. And think about the liaison dimension at the moment, that, that's most relatable for me, is th there is more chance of being asked to do things because people know that you're dual trained. So my working age colleagues and my older adult colleagues, um, perhaps nursing colleagues, will, will approach in, e in equal number. So that might have workload implications. But th th there's an interim stage here as well to say, actually, because I've got more time in training, I'm also having more time to develop those non-clinical skills in managing the workload, managing my own time. There's a compensation there. I also think there's an implication, say, if you're on call, you know, increasingly talking about systems under pressure, you're asked to do centralised rotors that might have older adults, general adults, as well as young people on that same rotor. So, again, having that broad base manages that workload. So, absolutely, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to wash over and say it's, it's um, straightforward, but you are equipping yourself with a broader skill set, even if in the shorter term there's a little bit more pressure. Karima, how do you feel about the workload of dual training? So I sort of taking some time to reflect on that a bit as, as also speaking, and I think um, I completely agree with what he says. There is the the risk that you're you can end up taking on a bit more than your single trained colleagues because you have that breadth of um, experience and trainings, particularly when you're working in services that may sort of cross cover, um, including sort of community placements or liaison placements. But I think in um, in reality, what I what I've seen is that I don't think we're significantly more stretched or have significantly more responsibility or workload than our single trained colleagues. And I think what it really comes down to is just being aware of the fact that you are going to be training in a 
across a big more of a broad um, range of subjects um, and just making sure that we that one balances out their sort of time and clinical workload appropriately to that. And Ross made a really good point there about the the length of training as well, because we get that extra year in dual training. It really does help, I think, in sort of planning your higher training in a bit less of an intensive way and thinking about the fact that you've got that extra time to take on other opportunities that may be non-clinical as well and really having that extra time to yeah to develop yourself clinically I think that's um, so if anything I think it really does balance out. What Arima was saying about developing clinically is that something that resonates with you Ross? Absolutely um, as Arima was kindly relaying this um, I was thinking about how selfishly I've seen colleagues on um, on single CCT who are approaching jobs and I've got the opportunity to learn from them. So it's creating thinking and developing space and, and it's, it's also an opportunity to figure out what's most important to you. I guess from my perspective, I never had to decide um, whether I really wanted to be a general adult or an old age psychiatrist. So it forestalled that decision for me and it gives me those options going forward. But that space to develop further is is immeasurable. And I'm really conscious of thinking about my early year consultant colleagues who reflect back and say, make sure you make the most of training. And I think that's one of the qualities um, of dual training. It gives you just that to make the most of it. And what do you think they mean when they say make the most of training? Do you think they mean like getting different experience with patients or making friends? Like what do you think people mean when they say that? That's a good point. I mean, I, I I think it means different things for different consultants, but I, what I would say is I think it's about making um, use of that breadth. So if you've got an interest um, in, say, perinatal, so that's my special interest um, session at the moment, then taking that opportunity to go and explore that service um, or perhaps seeking breadth um, in addiction services, seeing if you can get some more experience in that. So I think that's part of it. I think you're absolutely right that finding time um, to develop friendships and also develop professional relationships as well, networks within your your healthcare organisation um, that you're training in. So both professionally and personally, that space and time is really important. And again, we're back to those themes of kind of breadth and also of diversity in that training, which really helps you when you approach the jobs market. Definitely. It's great to have had a broad spectrum of experience and to have seen as much as possible before you settle down in a place, because I'm guessing once you do settle down in your first job, you're there for quite a long time. Well, potentially, I think that, uh, again, we're back to that. If you have a broad base, then you're not necessarily committing just to general adult or just to old age. That's not to minimise those excellent um, specialties at all. But you actually have that broad portfolio from day one. I also wonder, perhaps what we didn't mention earlier, is about credentialing and the future there. So uh, again, I've mentioned liaison, but even if you don't have that opportunity during your dual training, the prospect of a credential um, later on is uh, really helped by a foundation of dual training before you CCT. So again, it's that forward planning, I think, that, that dual training gives you. Jennifer, is that something that resonates with you, this clinical development that Arima was talking about? Because you're quite early on in your training. Yeah, I mean, I'm quite early in my um, higher training. And so at the moment, I've mostly been focusing on old age. But certainly it does feel as though um, I'm going to have the opportunity to be exposed to a really broad spectrum throughout the course of my training. 
um, which is, I suppose, um, broader than if I had chosen to do a kind of a single specialty. And that's, you know, there's also more time to do it. And that's a really kind of great opportunity, I think. And going back to you, Arima, how do you achieve work-life balance? Do you think it's possible? Yeah, that's a really good question. And I think um, something that uh, um, myself and my colleagues and everybody sort of works in medicine is always striving to try and find the answer to, really. I think it absolutely is possible and it it really much depends on a lot of factors. And so specifically to dual training, um, something that those I've mentioned already, it's just really important, I think, to take on as many of the opportunities as we're we're offered, but also know and develop that skill in saying, um, knowing when to say no or filtering out those opportunities that might be really beneficial to your progress. Um, And yeah, and I think it's a constant sort of learning process and, um, and yeah, I would be welcome to hear anybody else's thoughts on how to do that because it's something I'm still learning to, to do myself, really. Absolutely. Jennifer, can we hear from you from the same question, please? Yeah, I think, Arima, you've made some really good points about how, um, I suppose, with more opportunities being offered, there's that kind of potential for becoming slightly more overwhelmed by saying yes to lots and lots of things. So I suppose it is a case of needing to be mindful of that. That's something that would kind of come up in any in any specialty, whether you're a dual trainee or not, really. There are often a lot of opportunities. Um, and I do think it's possible to find a work-life balance, whether you're um, a dual trainee or not. Ross, do you think that anyone training to be a psychiatrist or who is currently a psychiatrist would struggle with a work-life balance? Or do you think it might be worse if you're doing dual training? Yeah, I'm not sure it's worth doing dual training. I think that any doctor at the moment struggles with work-life balance. Um, There's a risk of of falling into cliches here, but there there are uh, incredible pressures on on the health service. Um, And it can seem really paradoxical and uh, the risk of sounding obvious, it seems really paradoxical to do that self-care, enabling you to go and care for everybody else. And obviously, I would never suggest ever um, that the doctor try and heal thyself without assistance, of course. But that that advice that we would give to our colleagues or patients is probably the advice we need to take ourselves to take that time out. So what I'm trying to say is that doctors tend to be incredibly motivated people who think about themselves less or think about themselves last. And so um, we, we we need to take the advice that we would give but I don't think that dual training is a particular opposition to that. I, I think paradoxically, again, that breadth that we talked about um, may in fact um, have a link. You know, for example, in dual training, seeing that life course kind of starts to remind you of what's important. You know, seeing someone, um, say, for example, with dementia at the end of life and, and, and wanting to know what was important to them and to see their memories and to see their family with them. Um, that that can be really refocusing. So, if anything, I think for me, dual training is um, a greater reminder about the centrality of the work-life balance, and it's certainly not an option. It, it's it's core business. Absolutely, I definitely feel like work-life balance is improving since the pandemic for lots of people because organisations have realised actually people can do stuff from home. Do you feel like the pandemic has calmed things down and and kind of made people take stock and have more work-life balance? Or do you think it's, you know, obviously increased stress in a inpatient setting? 
Yeah, I think that's a really um, it's a really difficult question, I suppose. I think with more working from home and sort of the change in 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 working, it actually in some ways I have found maybe makes it slightly more difficult to balance you know work life find that work life balance um because i think sometimes work can really bleed into home life in a way that it previously didn't and i'm currently doing an inpatient job and actually some of the things you know that uh, some of the tasks i suppose um and roles from that inpatient job i have been doing from home maybe when i've been uh, too unwell to go into work but maybe not too unwell to work like for example getting a cold and thinking well i'm not you know really unwell but maybe i shouldn't go into a ward like this whereas i think historically maybe or pre-covid we wouldn't have necessarily um had that challenge or that opposition so i'm not sure if covid has actually really helped with work-life balance or um hindered difficult to say thank you i realize that wasn't a very easy question to answer so i think think about inpatient settings i think i think there's a there's a few little pitfalls so as jennifer has, has, has identified um there's an opportunity to look at your boundaries and an opportunity to say if you were working from home when do you shut that laptop down um, and when do you say i'm right i'm walking away now so I think in the impatient setting, it, it's hard because it's been it has been intensive. You know, um, it's it's been more intensive in many ways than than I've ever known it before due to the COVID. There's there's no there's no point denying that. So I think it's how you how you reframe that because at the same time, those times where we've had to spend times of home for me has been a paradoxical reminder of what's more important. Uh, so I, I think you've got to take the whole picture here. I think we've all got to be compassionate to ourselves and realise that we're still adjusting to this. There are no definitive answers. And whether we're dual training or not, we are adjusting to how we negotiate this work-life balance once again. Um, it's it's new. Yeah, absolutely. There's never, ever been a situation like that happen. And fingers crossed it doesn't happen again. Perfect. OK, and just moving on to kind of how and when do you decide that you're going to be dual trained? Can you just decide at any time or is there like a specific time when you hand in an application? Like, how does it work? Yeah, so I'm quite familiar with this as I'm um, an ST4, so I've only just kind of started my higher training. So in order to become a dual trainee, you apply at the point that you're applying for higher training. So that comes um, after you know, your foundation training and your core training in psychiatry when you're applying to subspecialize. And there are kind of a number of specific dual training posts which are advertised. So it's not just old age and general adult, which you can dual train in. There are a number of other opportunities as well, such as medical psychotherapy and general adult psychiatry combined. Um, so in order to dual train, you kind of choose that at the beginning of when you're kind of selecting your subspecialty. Um, my understanding is that if you've kind of chosen a single specialty training, you can sort of reapply later to for a dual training number, but it, it involves going back through the application process, but your kind of time and your single specialty is accounted for. So I suppose it's coming up to your end, the end of your core psychiatry training that you'd be making that decision of um, wanting to dual train. Thank you so much. So you're fairly early on in your experience. Yeah, so I'm in my first year of higher training. Okay, and Ross, where are you? So I'm in uh, ST, well, 
SD6, shall we say, SD7 is a construct, um, but I'm in the last year of training. And as I said, I'm on my uh, liaison, um, working towards a liaison endorsement um, at the moment. I, I don't regret my choice whatsoever. I think in approaching this, there's listening to people's experiences that that, that um, perhaps by a higher podcast, but there's also a real opportunity to just to talk to colleagues that have made that decision already. And I think that's what's really important. So understanding what opportunities there are in, in the place that you're applying for and, and listening to their their perspectives uh, and any thoughts they have. I think from 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 this perspective, as as I'm at the point where I'm looking for jobs, I'm able because I've got a desire to stay locally to look at jobs from both sides. So I know I've mentioned this breadth before, but again, I'm presented um, with, with a lot more choice and able to kind of um, identify what's important to me now um, for a job. Uh, and that those qualities may change in a couple of years and I've got more choice. So no regrets about choosing dual training, but I really think that, that you've got to take that word of mouth opinion um, from from your immediate colleagues where you are. I I think that dual training seems to have, and maybe it's my own my own inclination, seems to have more thought given to the the interactivity with the physical health of our patient, and I think that tends to come from our old age colleagues and perhaps my own emphasis on liaison as well, but it, it's the way in which that then feeds back into the general adult psychiatry. So I feel a bit more confident in making sure I'm getting that holistic approach to the patient. Um, so what I'm trying to say is that the dual training specifically in old age and, and, and general adults um, enables, me, enables me to do a slightly different approach to general adult psychiatry. So that there really is this symbiotic relationship between um, the different uh, approaches, slightly different approaches taken by the two subspecialties and I think that's that is a, a real opportunity. Thank you so much for our three speakers today Dr Ross Runciman, Dr Arima Kamalu and Dr Jennifer Parker for giving us their perspective on dual training. If you're interested in pursuing dual training please go to our website which is www.rcpsych.ac.uk. Select training from the top of the screen, curricula and guidance and then select dual training.